You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. All right, here we go, fellas. Let's have a little fun today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So the trajectory of what we're going to do today kind of just came to me like in a vision. Really, it just, I mean, everything is kind of just, it's like I don't have a choice, you know? There was this thing that happened, and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. And then another thing, and then this morning I see a thing, and it's like, whoa, check out that little thing. So the theme of today, we'll see how long it takes. There's other stuff to talk about. I'd like to keep the theme because, I mean, everything else is going to be a downer. Plus, it just dawned on me now what the title is going to be, which is just the ultra clickbait title. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But it also means I can stop dragging this out because you already know what, <laughs> what the theme is. The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. The reason I really like this, not only is it because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just sitting there, but it's because it allows me to not be so overly analytical all the time, which gets a little old, for me even. Because at the end of the day, when you get peak analytical, the only real answer is I don't know. It really is. And anybody that says they're, they're hyper-analytical and they know the answer is just wrong. And that's sort of the first thing that kind of occurred to me. And it, it doesn't sound ultra-positive. And I'm going to do my best to not take it down a negative path because that's what I'm trying to avoid today. But it, it, it occurred to me when this sort of, I don't know, there were, there were some conversations had on Twitter about the draft class again. And I decided to insert myself, which I think was a bad idea, with something that I thought was witty, and then people took it the wrong way, and whatever. But I was ultimately sort of defending, not even defending the decision. It's just, I guess if I could summarize my thoughts on the draft, and I promise this is going to lead us there, just bear with me here. i got to build this out. Is that there's two separate things, and some people that want to hate Brian Gutekunst like to conflate them because it makes their argument kind of seem more powerful. And it does if people let you get away with it, but you shouldn't be left to get away with that. There's two separate things. There's the player evaluation and there's the strategy. The strategy Brian Gutekunst implemented, and, and really it's not black and white. There, there's a spectrum. See, now I'm, I'm, let's back up again. Let's try to keep all these pieces together here. There, there isn't future or now. There's a spectrum of now or future. Generally, the draft is future-based because you're getting young, unexperienced people that are going to be there for a long time. The intention of the pick can be more now-centric or more future-centric. For example, the uh, I've mentioned this several times, the Falcons GM um, has mentioned numerous times that he does draft for now, immediate need. Now, I'm sure even, even he is on the spectrum, he's just further to one area, right? He, he, of course, acknowledges, hey, these guys are going to be gone. We have to start backfilling. Brian Gutekunst went to the extreme other end of things by trading up in the first round for a quarterback that we know is not going to be playing for several years. That's the biggest one. Uh, A.J. Dillon is similar in that he can contribute now. It's a little bit less so. He can contribute now, and if he ended up being a great rookie, he would contribute a lot now. Otherwise, when we end up letting go of our running backs, which we're getting rid of at least one of them, possibly both of them, then we have you know, then we'll start to be happy about that. So again, there, there's the two different things. And some people like to, as I said, conflate that by 
saying that so-and-so is no good because of the lack of, of snaps that they've taken. That's not, you're conflating the, the strategy and the uh, evaluation, right? Jordan, you can't judge Jordan Love's eva- player evaluation because he hasn't played. If you're mad about Jordan Love, you're mad about the strategy, and the strategy hasn't played itself out yet because it's a long-term strategy, and you can't judge a long-term strategy based on its short-term effects. That's judging a bird by its ability to fish, but to, to swim, or a fish's ability to fly, right? It doesn't make sense. Now, can you judge Rashawn Gary based on the limited snaps he's had? Yeah. Assuming we acknowledge the limited snaps, if we look at the percentages as opposed to the total numbers when we compare it, for example, to Brian Burns, I'm fine with that on a play-to-play basis. But even Rashawn Gary is not a bad example because it's one of those things that when Preston's gone, we're going to be glad we made that pick. And every year you're going to have somebody fill in a spot in which somebody leaves and we're going to be glad that we're not left going, whoa, what are we going to do with this spot? I don't know. We spent all our time drafting for last year's needs and now this year's needs aren't being met. So anyways, leaving that aside, that's how that conversation started. But then when you start looking at the immediate needs... I don't think we can even necessarily make the case that Brian Gutekunst was wrong because we are wasting this year. When you look at the record that we have right now, and really the the question stands, who would have been a good pick? I mean, we have needs along the defensive line, maybe a defensive tackle. It seems like that's what the Packers seem to be keying in on, so a defensive tackle might have been the best option. Of course, because I'm an ultra genius, the best uh, option probably would have been Raekwon Davis. Uh, the only other guy that's grading out better than Raekwon right now is Doug Costin, who was an undrafted free agent. And so I, I don't want to just harp on this to, to, to make it just about the draft, but, you know, Javon Kinlaw's overall grade right now is a 55. Jordan Elliott is a 58. Ross Blacklock was a lot of people's favorite. He is the fourth lowest with a 38.8. So needless to say, outside of my man Raekwon, there are not a lot of great options. And Raekwon really isn't all that much better than the guys that we have like Kingsley Kiki. But here's the other thing. What, what exactly is it we need to win a Super Bowl? And I know this is going to sound ultra cliche and people are going to roll their eyes, but really all you need is an opportunity. Your job as the GM is to put your team in a position to get into the playoffs and have a shot. And that's exactly what the Packers are. They're a team that has a shot. And there isn't a single player or two players or three players that are going to make the difference when you look at the Packers at their best and the Packers at their worst. Packers at their best, I've said, can beat any team at any time, no question. At their worst, it doesn't matter if we drafted Raekwon Davis, T. Higgins, whatever. And so just as an example, just to kind of look at this, I just want to go over some of the previous Super Bowl winners and just kind of look at them. Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs won. I think if you wanted to argue this is the best team in football, you could probably make a pretty decent case for it. But this was, they statistically... We're the fifth best offense in the seventh best defense. There's by no means remember the '90s Packers team was was number one in just about every category. Number one on offense in points and yards. Number one on defense points and yards. I think they were like number two in actually one of those categories. But still, that's dominant beyond dominant. That is clearly by far the best team in football. When you're fifth on offense and seventh on defense, that's good, not great. The Chiefs, like everybody else, or like every other team in there, had a shot. 2018 Patriots, very similar, 4th best offense, 7th best defense. In 2017, the Eagles won, and the Eagles won with Nick Foles at quarterback. 2017 Eagles are a good football team. Were they the best team in football? The 2015 Denver Broncos are a great example. Yeah, they had a good defense. They were graded, or statistically the 4th best in terms of points. They were 19th on offense. 
we know definitively this was not the best team in football. They were 12-4. and four. They lost two of their last four games. They were actually 5-4 and four after their bye week. They were pretty mediocre. They lost to the, the Oakland Raiders 12-15. to 15. That's just how bad their offense was. They lost to the Steelers 27-34. There's that elite defense. Yikes. They barely beat the Bengals 20-17, to 17, and then they beat the Chargers 27-20. Then they get into the playoffs. Again, they've got a shot, but there's no guarantees here. And their first matchup is the Steelers, who just absolutely annihilated them just a few weeks before. What happened? They beat them 23-16. The defense stiffened. The thing that was really good but inconsistent, their defense, showed up. Then against the Patriots, offense scored 20. The Patriots only scored 18. The defense showed up. Panthers, 24-10. The defense showed up. The defense allowed 18, 16, and 10 points. Second lowest scoring of the entire season outside of uh, three points to the Chargers in week 13. This is a defense that had allowed 34 points, 29 points, 27, 24, 24, 23, 20, 20. It just, they, they, they had allowed big games, but once they got into the playoffs, it just clicked. And, and listen, it was very simple. If the defense has a bad day, they're out. They're out. They don't win a Super Bowl. If they have one bad day, and they had had several bad days. And really, this is a team that if you get to 20, you got a good shot. It's basically like the Bears. The, the, I mean, I'm not saying they were the same team. I think the uh, Broncos are a much better team. Obviously, had a better quarterback, even though he was very aged. Much more intelligent and, and at least making better decisions. And the defense, I think, was a little bit better as well. But it was similar in that if you, if you can get to 20 to 24, it's pretty much they're cooked. The offense scored 20, 23, and 24. They, they got to 24 points once, and they won the Super Bowl. 2014 Patriots were 4th on offense, 8th on defense. The last game before they went into the playoffs, they lost to the Buffalo Bills 9-17. to This was a much more volatile team. It's not a matter of one side or the other, right? They've got a good offense, they've got a good defense, but they're, of course, volatile. Their offense at times scored 16, they scored 14, they scored 9 against Buffalo. Their defense had allowed 33 in Week 1, 41 to Kansas City in Week 4. And so, similarly, you, you have times where the offense doesn't show up and you need the defense, and the defense doesn't show up and you need the offense. Well, that showed up Week 1 in the playoffs. The defense allowed 31 points, and fortunately for the Patriots, the offense showed up in a big way and got 35. Then they go on to play the Colts, and both sides showed up in a huge way. 45-7, to 7, that was an embarrassment. Then the Seahawks show up, much better defense. And again, the offense is able to muster 28, which is enough to overcome the Seahawks 24 to 28. It's just, it's very volatile. There's no guarantees. There's no, and I've talked about this before. It's the, it's not as simple as be the best team. Your job as a GM, I mean, of course your job as a GM is to build the best team possible, but it's not to build the number one team because then you get a trophy. It's not the team that builds the number one team wins a trophy. It's not. It's build the best team possible for this year and the future. That is part of his job. But once you get into a position, if you build a team that's good enough to get into the playoffs and has all the tools necessary to win a Super Bowl, it's on the coaches at that point. This is not on GM Brian Gutekunst. This is on the players and the coaches getting it done. Great example of this is the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. They were 10th on offense, 12th on defense. They were pretty mediocre. They were a 10-6 and six team. Like everything else, their offense showed flashes, 44 points, 31 points, 55 points, 33 points. The defense had flashes of brilliance, 13, 16, 6, 15, 10, 13. But of course, they also get completely trampled. The offense scored 9, the offense scored 13, 13, 16. Defense allowed 30, 43, 31, 34. Nobody expected them to do anything in the playoffs. They stomp out the Colts 24 to 9. 
They play the Denver Broncos. It goes into overtime because the Broncos got up to 35 points, but the offense just blew up. They shouldn't have won that. 38 points? They've never scored. They, they scored 38 points once in the season. It was in week one when they got to 44. That's it. This offense was never supposed to score that many points, but they did. They found a way. It's out of character for them to win this game, but they made it happen. It's just, it, it's so fluky, and it's, it's, it's almost ridiculous for not just Packer fans, for everybody. I did two Bears interviews with, with two different Bears podcasts, had a real great time, and I was listening to Bears fans, and, and, and both of these podcasts were just like, don't even try to give us hope. The Packers are going to absolutely annihilate us, and it's not even a question. Like, this is, this is going to be stupid. And I'm like, dude, have you, have you met a Packers fan? Because I promise you, we will give you hope, because we are not feeling good about this game. But that's, it's just natural for fans to do that, right? It's just, well, there's no hope for us. We, we have this picture in, of our, in our mind of being this perfect team, and if we don't fit that picture, we don't have a chance. We put other teams on a pedestal and not us. Some, some of us. Some of us, maybe we put our own team on a pedestal. I don't know. But for the most part, we look at it and say, we'll never be there. Our defensive line is just not good enough, and teams can run against us, and that's not good enough. 2011 New York Giants were a 9-7 and team. I know you know all this, but but do you know what they what they were as far as their run defense? Twenty third in yards per attempt, twenty fifth overall defense in terms of points, twenty seventh in yard. This defense was trash. Yeah, but not in the playoffs. Yeah, right. It's interesting. They were not the same team later in the season as they were in the beginning of the season. Things changed. Things evolved. Interesting. Kind of reminds you of a different team, doesn't it? The 2010 Green Bay Packers, a 10 and 6 team. Now their defense was actually second overall, but you know what they were? Rush, rush defense, 28th, 4.7 yards per attempt. This is just a, this is classic Packers, man. We can never stop the run. Quarterbacks gash us. Anytime there's a mobile quarter, any NFC North team that doesn't go out and get a mobile quarterback is an idiot. You go out and get the fastest quarterback you can, and you got two wins in the season guaranteed. You got the Packers locked up, dude. I can't speak to the rest of your season, but you'll beat the Packers at least. You know, you go with that Lovey Smith strategy, we're just looking to beat the Packers. Go get a mobile quarterback. But again, 28th. By the way, running the ball, we were 25th. Just, we sucked on both sides of the ball when it came to running. So what? What does that mean? It means we can't win a Super Bowl? Why? 10th best offense. 10th. You know what the 10th best offense did against the Atlanta Falcons? Beat them 48-21. to the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta, which is a team that you never beat in Atlanta. It may as well have been the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019. You don't beat Atlanta in Atlanta. That doesn't happen. Dominant. Elite. They only scored 21 points against us. We put up 48. 31 in the Super Bowl. Well, only 21 against the Eagles and the Bears. That's not great. That's true. But guess what? The defense stepped up. 16 points to the Eagle. Eagles. You thought you thought that was my thing messing up. That was just me. I am becoming my, my software at this point. 14 points to the Bears, as uh, one of my favorite people on earth, Jay Cutler, was riding a bike on the sideline. I really, I really am starting to like that guy. I mean, I miss him as a Bears quarterback. I appreciate him as a human being, just being the sort of mopey, like, eh, I don't care. Like, I don't want to call the guy my spirit animal, because he's not an animal, but I just feel like I want to hang out with the guy. Anyways. So yes, part of my appeal in this, as, as lame as it is, is that you don't have to be a perfect team to win a Super Bowl. And you don't just look at it and say, well, we know who's going to win the Super Bowl. It's the Chiefs because they're better than everybody. It's either the Chiefs or the Steelers. That's it. We know. No, you don't. You don't know the Chiefs are not going to get knocked out in the first round. 
In fact, if they get matched up against the Raiders, they're in, they might be in a little bit of trouble. That team gives them a real tough time. Listen, the, the playoffs really just comes down to everybody that's in there has a chance. And I'm not going to say it's a perfectly even chance. It's not. But everybody in there's got a chance. And it really is just a matter of when you flip a coin, which which who's going to have heads come up every time? That's, that's very close to what it comes down to. Of course the odds are stacked against you. No kidding. One in 32 chance. Yeah, the odds are stacked against you. I mean, not in the playoffs, but just overall. Of course the odds are stacked against you. What, what, what do you want? You're never going to have a situation where you have a 51% chance of winning a Super Bowl. That's just not going to happen. Where you have perfect players on every part of the field. We don't give up any runs. Which, by the way, the Packers, let's not overstate this. They're 21st in yards per attempt on defense. 21st. It's not good, but we act like we're 32nd. 17th overall defense in terms of points. 12th in yards. 3rd on offense uh, in terms of points. 7th in yards. Currently 7-3. and three. Saying that this team doesn't have a chance is silly. Beyond that, if we just look at what the defense has done this year, just remembering what I've just talked about, yes, we gave up 34 to Minnesota, 30 to New Orleans, 34 to the Colts. We also kept Detroit to 21, the Falcons to 16, the Texans to 20, the 49ers to 17, and the Jaguars to, again, 13, not including the special teams uh, mishap. Of course you need more consistency. Everybody, when you get into the playoffs, needs consistency. And the teams that have more consistency have a better shot. But we're only talking about a handful of games. Remember, the Packers went 4-0 to start the season. They have that ability. They have the ability to win four games in a row. They got a chance to do it again. Beat the Bears, beat the Eagles, beat the Lions, beat the Panthers. There's four. They can win six if they want to. Anyways, I'm going to take a little quick break here, and then I want to focus a little bit more on this team and why I have specific hope for this specific season, aside from just, well, got as good a shot as anybody, because that's, you know, it's true, but it's not ultimately where I want to go with this. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so let's take a look at a couple things. First of all, as I've said, and, and I don't know why I should have to give you any more information than this. As I said, I'm, I'm hoping to, planning to have this thing line up so that episode 1000 is on the Super Bowl. If I leave it as it is without a makeup ep- episode, episode 1000 would be a victory what Monday, I guess, because it's Super Bowl Sunday. A victory Monday after the Packers win the Super Bowl, which would just be an ultimate ultra mega episode. But let's let's try to keep it, you know, I'll do the makeup episode, I don't know. Either way, I mean, come on. The odds of that, when I started this thing, like, what, four years ago, three years ago, whatever, borderline astronomical. I guess, more realistically, about one in 365 uh, chance that episode 1000 ends up on the Super Bowl. But factor in that the Packers are contenders, and yeah, it's pretty... pretty uh, Again, that should be all you need to know. I should be able to wrap up this podcast and call it a day. But, you know, some of you guys are just skeptics and you don't believe in my mysticism and all that and shame on you. But that's fine. Let's continue on. Let's talk about a couple things. Let's talk about... And I don't know if I even mentioned this on the podcast. I mentioned it on Twitter. But let's talk about the fact that the Packers put up 28 points on the Indianapolis Colts in the first two quarters of the game. The Indianapolis Colts have given up 28 points once this entire season, and it was to the Cleveland Browns. I'm talking about over four quarters. Only one team in four quarters put up more than 28 points. The Packers did it in one half. That's the lethality of this offense. And I know you know that, but I don't think we embrace that or appreciate just how lethal this thing is. And, and again, I, well, they need to keep that up, and I, don't, I, I, I know. I, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. We're talking about things coming together. We're talking about the consistency coming together, which is what every team needs if they plan on winning a Super Bowl. Only one team is going to have that level of consistency to actually win the thing. Not everybody has the level of play and the level of talent that the Green Bay Packers have. I would venture to say nobody in the NFL has the level of talent right now that the Packers do on offense. Nobody. Forget the Chiefs. Forget the Seahawks. Forget all that. They don't have what the Packers have right now. What the Chiefs have on the Packers right now is consistency, but I don't think they have that level of of lethality. They put, put up 35 points on the Raiders, and the fact of the matter is that's pretty standard, but they're not doing much better than that. 35, 33, 35... They just kind of hang in that zone most of the time. 31 overall on the Colts is massive. 34 against the 49ers, 35 against the Texans, 30 against the Falcons, 37 against the Saints, 42 against the Lions, 43 against the Vikings. That 10 points against the Buccaneers is really hurting them in terms of them only being third in points on offense. But the interesting thing is the offense came alive during what is now the real rough stretch defensively. The Indianapolis Colts are a lethal defense. The Chicago Bears are a lethal defense. They're heading into the storm. If they can come through this Bears game, putting up 25 or more points and winning the game, let's say they put up 30 points against the Bears, what's going to happen when they go up against the Eagles? The Bears right now are 6th in points. The Eagles' defense is 16th, recently losing to the New York Giants 17-27. to What's going to happen to the 28th 28th ranked defense in Detroit or the 15th ranked defense 
in uh, Carolina. If the Packers can put it together against the Bears, that's a great sign that this thing is really awake. And if they can stay healthy, there's, there's no reason this thing can't stay clicking. And, and remember, they did all that. They got 31 points against the Colts. And the run game is not really firing right now. We haven't even seen that beautiful... I mean, what happened the last time we saw the, the offensive passing game and the run game clicking? We saw 43 points against the Vikings and 42 against the Lions and 37 against the Saints, right? That, that was the last time we saw this thing kind of clicking on all cylinders. But then you might say, okay, but what about the defense? Okay, let's talk about the defense for a second. I mentioned how, again, they're showing some glimmers, showing some flashes. And you might say, well, how could you possibly like the defense? They gave up 34 points this past week. Well, that's lacking context. If you factor in the offense's inability to stay on the field, if you factor in the turnovers, the short fields they constantly face, you're much more optimistic about the defense. And again, 20, uh, 13 points to the Jaguars, 17 to the 49ers, 28 to the Vikings seems like a lot, but it's not all that much, 20 to the Texans. And what else have we been saying? We're seeing guys come to life. So Darius wasn't at his best against Indy, but his, his two of his best games came against Jacksonville and San Francisco. This has been a pretty solid three-game stretch, and even if it wasn't his best game overall in Week 11 against Indy, his run defense was pretty on point. Mentioned Rashawn Gary, two of his best games basically, I mean, not, not literally, but in his entire career have been this past two weeks. Certainly the best two-game stretch. He has 11 pressures on just 43 attempts. 25.6% of the time, one in four times when he's trying to get to the quarterback, he gets there. That's ridiculous. And again, you look at, well, Rashawn Gary's played 11 games. He's got three sacks. That's pathetic. No, it's not. Then you look at how dominant he was against the run this past week. Again, we need consistency, but that's a good sign. That's a good sign of a defense that's starting to wake up a bit. We've talked about Kingsley. Kingsley had a down day, which is unfortunate when you have some guys waking up and some guys going to sleep. But Kingsley right now is graded at a 74.6. I mentioned how he, he if he was a rookie this year, he'd be the best rookie in football. There's nobody we could have drafted that's playing better than Kingsley Kiki right now. He's basically had three bad games. One of them happened to be against Indy, but he's been a solid football player, including against San Francisco. The man played 33 snaps, so this is not a limited sample size. He was a legit starter. He had a 90 overall grade. 90. He, PFF watched him and said, that's an elite performance. Literally is, is what that means. Kenny Clark has been a massive disappointment in terms of not getting the production, in terms of not being healthy, right? We, we, didn't, we saw him in week one. We didn't see him again until week six. And then in week six, he didn't do anything. He was 46 overall with zero pressure. Then we saw a little life against Houston. Four pressures, 77 overall grade. Not as much as we would expect from Kenny Clark. But then he falls off again. He doesn't get a single pressure for the next two weeks. But look what happened. Two weeks in a row. He's graded out well. And now he's starting to generate a little bit of pressure. In one game, he basically doubled his pressures for the season, getting four pressures, including a sack. Things are starting to come together. I know it doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. But they are. And again, it comes down to consistency always. But the the fact of the matter is consistency is easier when you have more better players. Right? If you've got three good players, you need all three to be really, really good at the exact same time in order to even have a chance. When you have a dominant defense across the board, you can get a little closer to 50-50 and still be a good defense. Does that make sense? So it's a matter of getting these guys to being good players, and then it's just a matter of the, the less amount of players having bad days, the better. Raven Green. I think Raven Green has been solid. He did not grade out very well this past week, but we know that he's been clutch. Um, overall, he did grade out very well in coverage. Obviously, he punched that ball out, which was great. I love his energy. I love his physicality. Again, there's the issue of inconsistency, but I, I, similarly, out of the last three weeks, he's had two good games. Everybody I've talked about so far in the last three weeks has had two good games. Everybody. 
at least two. Then we come to Kamal Martin. I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to sit down and watch Kamal Martin because I, I forget who it was, if it was Eli or what. Somebody had put up a video of just a couple cut-ups of, of Kamal Martin. I'm telling you what, man, you want to talk about a man crush. I didn't, I, I, it's one of those things where, and, and he is grading out well. He graded out very well, but I just, watching him play is like, dude, this guy is legit. Like, that, that just, and again, maybe he's going to fall off. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not one to, to do that kind of stuff, right? I've, I've, you know, MVS has a good day. What do I say? Okay, whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, Kevin King has a good day. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Right, I'm, I'm skeptical when I'm skeptical. And I told you coming in, Kamal Martin was my least favorite pick of all these guys. I saw no redeemable qualities in Kamal Martin. I, I'm, I'm not a draft guru, so I don't take myself all that seriously. It's possible. I just, I had zero expectations. I'm telling you, despite whatever bias I have against Kamal Martin coming into this, watching him play, watching those cut-ups, just the few that were there, my jaw hit the floor. The decisiveness, the quickness, the physicality, the violence, just, he's hes my kind of guy. That's just everything about the way that he played, just in those couple cut-ups, and maybe there's some bad ones out there. Oh, I, I can't express to you how happy that makes me. I mean, it, it's sort of similar to Raven Green, but to a whole other level. And, and again, I, I just I need to just take some time to sit down and watch the guy play. Um, if he can play that way on a consistent level, we've got something beyond special in Kamal Martin. And again, it was just one game, but he's only played four, and two of them he's looked like that. Two of them he's looked apparently pretty bad. So again, it comes down to consistency, but man, if we get these guys clicking on all cylinders. And again, it doesn't have to be everybody. You can have a guy have a bad day. If we get it to the point where everybody's kind of clicking now, Kenny's in the groove, Zadarius, Rashawn, Kamal, Raven, all of them are in the groove. Of course, every team has some guys have bad days. That's that's a guarantee. But the more guys we have that are like, all right, I'm ready. I'm in, I'm in full season mode. I'm ready to go. I'm having good games. The, the more we can say, okay, you three can have a bad day and we're still going to be a dominant defense. Montrevious has not been good, but he's a massive upgrade compared to what he was. At the very least, he's just a mediocre guy. Which, again, compared to what he was, I'll take it. Because he's literally been one of the worst defensive tackles in football. So, hey-oh. And he's consistently average. So there you go. How about Amos? I've talked about how disappointing he's been. You know, it just, what a, what a... When he started the season, his, he had a 51 overall grade and a 46 overall grade. Like, what is going on with this defense? I don't get it. Then he had his first 70, and then he goes down into the 60s, and then it's a low 70, and then it's a... It's just, ugh. These last two weeks have been his best two weeks. Go figure. Something is different, and I know when you stand back and you think, I just, I don't see it, right? I'm just disappointed. I'm in a funk. I'm in this rut. I, I don't see what you're seeing. I don't see anything good. I'm telling you, guys are waking up, and it's because certain things are going wrong and this and that, but something is happening behind the curtain that is very, 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 very encouraging. Very encouraging. Adrian Amos right now has gone from his terrible grade to having a 75 overall grade, which is basically tied to what he had last year, and he's getting better every week. I mean, he went from just a complete disappointment to, you know, the 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 poster boy for something is wrong here with this defense to being 15th overall in the NFL. He's the 15th best safety. Where did that come from? It came from him sneakily starting to have really... And, and listen, if, if you've seen it from anybody, you've seen it from Amos. Not necessarily as a safety, but how many critical third-down stops have been Adrian Amos coming into the backfield? And again, that's that energy and tenacity to have a safety come in and make a play in the backfield on a running back to save a, a, a third-down or a fourth-down stop. 
And let's not forget Jair. And look, his grades have, have been a lot lower recently, but how much do you care about his grades when he's 20 receptions given up on 34 attempts for a grand total of 194 yards? He's still, despite not grading out all that well uh, these past couple weeks, the highest graded cornerback in all of football by kind of a lot. 87 basically is his overall grade. 82 is the next highest, and that's Bryce Callahan over in Denver, the guy that was always underrated by the Bears. He was always he always graded out really, really well. They never played him. Then they shipped him off to Denver where Fangio's like, yes, please, I'll take him because he's good. If you just isolate out the coverage grades, Jair Alexander, 87.8. Next highest, Callahan, 84.5. He is the best. We have the number one corner in football. Do you know how critical that is to a defense? Do you know how unbelievably important that is to have a true, genuine lockdown corner? We take it for granted. And that's just a piece of the puzzle. Darnell Savage, I've been railing against him about, man, it's a disappointment. Not only did he not take a step in his second year, he's gone backwards. His best two games were the last two weeks. And it was very evident this past week. We, I, I mentioned yesterday, we've seen the makeup speed where he comes up and makes a play. I talked about how he's had four targets and four pass breakups. This past week was one of the best games he's played in his entire career. He had a stretch in week 13 and 14 against the Giants in Washington where he had grades of 76, and this past week was a 75. But we're talking about a lot of games. He basically was a starter from week one, and they're saying Indy was his best game. And again, as I said, last two weeks, his best two weeks of this particular season. I've talked about how defense is about energy, and it's about getting hungry and getting fired up. These guys, they're finding it somehow, some way. They're starting to get amped up. I don't know if it's coming from Petten. I don't know if it's coming from a scheme change. I don't know if it's coming from within. I don't know if there's a leader emerging among this defense. I don't know if it's Kirksey coming back and getting these guys fired up. I don't know what it is, but somebody's waking waking these guys up. And the final thing, and i got to get out of here, I want to play a clip for you. Maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't, but this is Aaron Rodgers talking about the team. Today actually gave me a lot of... Uh... A lot of confidence in our guys. I know that might sound weird and we lost and we turned them all over four times, but there was a different type of energy this week of practice. I thought it carried over to today. Um, obviously, the atmosphere helped having a bunch of Packer fans there, even though it was obviously significantly less than it would be in a normal, uh, normal year. But uh, I did um, get a lot of confidence uh, based on the way we practiced this week. I felt like this was the first week all season we practiced like a great team um, and not just kind of a good team. So that was uh, encouraging. So what does this team need? They need a different kind of energy. They need a different kind of consistency. And we've talked about that for a while. And Aaron Rodgers is telling you he saw it. And I'm telling you, PFF is saying they're seeing it. Behind the scenes, behind the ugly, behind the scores and the stats and all that, there's something clearly different about this team. And I can't listen to that quote and not think about something else. I think we can run the table. I really do. I think uh, the offense is starting to click. Uh, a little bit more. We just got to put together a game where we're consistent from the first snap to the last. I apologize about the music. I, I'm way over time because I spent 15 flipping minutes trying to find that quote somewhere. I can't. I can't find. I can't find a video of it. I can't find the audio of it anywhere. Found an ESPN article where Domofsky talked. They didn't link to any kind of. So, anyways, whoever did this highlight video um, had the clip, but they also had a bunch of music there. But it's it's the same thing, right? I. I the Packers lost a game, and he said, look, I, I know it sounds weird, but I saw something different in this game. It's the exact same quote, and here's the thing. Rodgers doesn't just say that. How many times in the past, I, I remember distinctly when the Packers were not doing well, like in 2018, and people were begging him to make that comment. 
as though it was his words making it happen. No, it's not the words making it happen. He didn't say it and bring it to life. He was commenting on what he was seeing. It was a thing that already existed, and he was just telling you that it existed because you can't see it, but it's there. Him saying it doesn't magically make it appear. And what I'm saying is, he's not trying to make something happen. He's explaining to us that something different happened, even though you can't see it and it sounds weird because there were turnovers and things went wrong and we lost to this game and it was kind of ugly and all that. But I'm telling you, this is the first time in a long time we practiced in a way like we looked like a great team. And I'm telling you that on offense, we saw a great team. It was only in one half, but we saw what is a remarkably elite team. And we've seen the awakening of this defense, and it's not too, it's still, we're, we're barely past the midway point here, or at least, you know, we're about two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through the season. I can do math sometimes, and I'm still probably wrong about that. I'm not. I'm not wrong. Um, but it, it's just about these things, can, if, if they just keep moving in this direction, again, forget, forget the individual games. It's about getting things moving in a certain direction so that when they get into the playoffs, we have this product. And even if we have that product, it's still not a guarantee. It's just about getting the best chance possible. And the best chance possible is this offense staying what we saw in the first half against the Colts and the defense finally really awakening. And again, you're going to have certain guys have bad days, but if we have everybody up to full strength, we haven't seen Kenny Clark back to full-on Kenny Clark. We haven't seen the best of Zadarius Smith. We're just starting to see the awakening of Rashawn Gary and the awakening of Darnell Savage. We're starting to see the reemergence of Adrian Amos and the best possible version of Adrian Amos. Um, and on top of that, Kamal Martin could be an extra little piece that we didn't even have last year. Kingsley Kiki is stepping up in a way that we didn't have last year. And so we're looking at this saying this defense is not the same. And I'm saying we have the potential to have a better defense. Maybe not quite in terms of the pass rush. I don't know if we're ever going to get that 2019 pass rush back. But in terms of a more well-rounded defense, it's there. In terms of a much better offense, it's absolutely there. And at the end of the day, it's just it's just a flip of the coin, but it's about getting the best possible team out there. And right now, the best possible scenario is coming together and converging into the playoffs. And when you couple that with the fact that my episode 1000 is on the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm telling you, Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday, is it already? Whoo! Thanksgiving is tomorrow? Oh my goodness. Well, I am going to do a podcast tomorrow. I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Oh, this is a good day. Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. We don't have to go to work. It's Thanksgiving. I know some of you guys have plans, don't have plans, whatever. But uh, I'm going to do a show, and if you got nothing going on, feel free to reach out anytime. If you're sitting around bored and you want to talk some ball, I'll, I'll be there. I'll keep you company, man. But enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>